Brandon. Hey, Alan. And welcome to Dice Over Everything, the Miniatures Gaming Podcast. So, you know how in movies, like, you've got to have the good guy and the bad guy. And at the start of the movie, like, well, maybe there's, like, the good guy team and the bad guy team. Uh-huh. And at the start, like, the bad guy team's got to be, like, way stronger and everything else. Yeah, and, and it looks like there's no way for the good guys to come and and beat the bad guys. Yeah, but then usually the, the movies, in their infinite wisdom, just give the good guys some, like, uber superhero. And then they just, like, oh, no, Super power guys. up or something like that. Yeah. Or which, some, some crazy device that, that is the one thing that you need to beat the bad guys. They get the one secret thing. Uh-huh. Like you so. get the kryptonite to defeat Superman. Yeah. Super I, overpowered piece of poop. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't know if that makes for good movies or not. Like once you've seen it a bunch of times, you're like, oh, yeah, they're doing this again. That's nice. Huh? But if they actually have like some sort of like plot development – or like intrigue, or they've really done something interesting, and the movie can be like cool. But if you're just like, oh, we have Luke Skywalker on our side, looks like we're gonna kick all their asses now. Or we have Anakin. If this it's is obviously free. on. This is obviously post four, four five, six, because Luke Skywalker is pretty garbage in four and five. Yeah. Okay. Let's go. Let's go pre four and be like, oh, we have Anakin on our side. Looks like we can uh-huh. just go fight the whole. A whole droid army with like five guys. Sure. Uh-huh. But I'm not sure that makes for good movies. I'm not sure it would also make for good for good miniature games either. To be like, oh, looks like your army sucks. Let's just introduce a new guy to your faction who's just super good. And then all you play with is him every game. It's like, oh, I don't know if this made the game better. I don't know. I think there's some thing to be said with like super overpowered uh, one character units that make you that feel like they, I don't know, uh, that, that have the power of the other guy's giant army. Mm-hmm. However, that's uh, when they start, you know, destroying your army and right from the get-go. Right? Usually, like, for miniature games, you start off with those characters, right? So what happens halfway through the game when that super overpowered Anakin destroys half your army? Does the game mm-hmm. just end? Or is there some way to come back? Oh, is there some way you can actually stop Anakin? Like, do you do you get a secret weapon to destroy? Do you get his yeah. kryptonite? Yes, exactly. Which do you is, tempt him? Do you no, tempt him with sand? the dark side? Is it supposed to be sad? Is this is his weakness? Oh, yeah, Being mopey? I have no idea. Mm-hmm. Well, enough beating around the bush. Our topic today is catch-up game mechanics. So yeah, I think the other thing we want to pre like add to that is just like maybe avoiding games snowballing as well. Mm, yeah. Like, so just, like yeah, I guess the first thing is why do you need catch up mechanics in games? Oh, because if the game snowballs, then you're like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, we've reached turn two of seven, and clearly we know the outcome of this game. This kind of uh-huh. sucks now. Why are we both wasting our time here? Like you want the game to be fun mm-hmm. for both people through the whole game. Yeah. So you've got to. Like the mechanics of the game should support the game staying competitive for most of the yeah. duration of the game, rather than just like, all right, first time we fight, oh, I have the upper hand. There, there goes the game. Yeah, like you basically don't. Basically, the worst thing you want is a slow roll where they have a small but insurmountable advantage, and then you mm-hmm. have to play out the rest of the game to figure out that the person, well, to to realize the fact that the person won on turn one or two. Yeah. So. 
in games in general, like you said, right? You know, there, there's a lot of randomness in games because that helps keep things interesting and also has is a good um, uh, what do you call it? A good uh, mimicry of real life, right? Because in real life, you never know what's going to happen. There's all this these these random things. You can't be 100% sure what anything's uh, outcome is going to be from any action. So like the world is not like chess, right? So we have this randomness, but that means that you can have, like you said, like things getting thrown out of whack, right? And so in in terms of one person winning significantly over the other person. And so one of the solutions, which I think a game like, let's say, Infinity does, um, is that if you start winning by a lot, the game just comes to a conclusion very quickly. Right. Yeah. So instead of dragging it out, you can end the game quickly. Yeah, I was gonna say that the other way you can do that is if clearly there's like some sort of, if one player is pulled so far ahead, they've got some of the objective points, whatever you're measuring the game by, like kills, that you just have it built in. Okay, fine. The game now just will end on a different condition. Maybe you have your mission, which if you go for the full five, you count your objective points. But then if like a certain amount of the army is lost or certain like key parts of the army are lost, like certain key commanders, whatever you want to do, like something will stop the game. So, you know, yeah. just like. And then the other thing with Infinity, which is quite interesting, is that um, it if you're losing really badly, you also have less action. So the game just ends quicker in that way as well. Yeah. So the other interesting th- thing about Infinity that got me thinking about like making sure that one player doesn't pull too far ahead immediately is because how you build your armies in Infinity is you've got your, like all your troops give you an order, but often you'll do a mixture of like good troops who that you'll use on the attack and then other troops that just provide you orders so mm-hmm. that even if you start losing your, the guys who you're probably going to attack with because they're better at attacking, you still at least retain some of your activations the same thing like games that have units with multiple guys in them. Like maybe you start mm-hmm. fighting and your units are losing more guys in them than the others. At least you can still activate those units. Mm-hmm. So you still have your activations in the game, but you may have less power going on. So it doesn't immediately just like wipe your ability to activate. Like in a game where the activating being of able a to unit act- being able to has activate more, is much more important that like as as a larger impact than I guess the power relative power of how they activate right yeah I guess um, most of the miniature games in general an activation is worth more than a powerful activate like two activations are worth more than one powerful activation in most miniature games yeah because I'm thinking about the bolt action system where for every unit you have on the board you put you put like tokens into the bag and when one of the colors of your tokens gets pulled you activate. So yep. if the guys have enough wounds on them or just like enough models that represent the unit, even though that unit might you might have like in the front line clash, maybe if you're both units you clashed with had ten units and you've lost eight guys and the other guy only lost four guys out of the unit, clearly he's ahead. Mm-hmm. But at least yeah. you still have the activations so that the opponent's not just wearing down your army more before you even get to go. So that sort of system mm-hmm. where you at least keep getting to keep most of your activations, even though your army is being like broken more heavily something that emphasizes that like i said with infinity you've got your order providing units in the back and even if you make an attack with a frontline unit it dies maybe you're down to nine orders and there are ten orders still even though you might have lost a big chunk of your army 
points wise. Okay, I don't think I quite understand what you're saying, but well, let's say you you've got like a a <clears throat> hundred point so, army. Wait, is this just in general, or is this talking about catching up game mechanics or resolving a game quickly? Well, I think this it's more about right? I think more it's avoiding the snowballing, so you don't. Okay. So rather than just making the game in such a way that doesn't need catch-up mechanics so badly, because if your game immediately makes someone fall so far behind because of how the mechanics of it work and how just the armies work, you might want to like have okay. the game designed in such a way oh, okay. that so it we're doesn't talking about specifically cause... snowballing. Okay. Yeah, that, that's what I'm thinking about. Snowballing. Like to, produce, okay. to avoid snowballing, yeah. things like that are helpful in the game. Because you never, the less yeah. you need to catch-up mechanics, ideally, the better. Because they... they often feel like tacked on yeah so. i think there's there's some issues often with with because we play you know these miniature games there although there's a lot of luck and there's a lot of randomness uh ultimately part of the reason why we like these games is it's also a game of skill right and in games of skill you generally want the person who played better to win right i think um depending on the type of game uh you want the the person who played better to win i don't know maybe like 75% of the time, or 70% of the time or more, you want the person who played better to win, right? Yeah. And this is like, and then if it's super ultra competitive, some people would argue that you want the person who played better to always win. Uh, but I don't know. I don't like if if it's just about just about skill, but in general about um, for our games, which are hobby games to have fun, somewhere between. 70, right? 70 to 100, right? You want, you want the best player to win. So being able to have the game still have that randomness and still test people, uh, uh, test people's skill on dealing with adversity and having things not go exactly as planned, while also making sure that that disruption does not stop their skill expression to shine, ultimately shine through and allow them to win if they're better. I think, yeah, I totally agree. Like, that's a, a great, you know, depending on how you design your game, right? You can, it can be more or less of, of an issue. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and, and I agree. There's a lot of games where if you have a small advantage, it can really, really snowball, right? Like, for example, you're saying, like, if, if Infinity, uh, I don't know, if you lost a number of orders relative to the... The point value uh, of the guys? The point value of your guys... It, it could possibly make larger snowballs, um, or or let, let's say you know in some games where like uh, you know a lot of other activation games, uh, because activations are so important and having more activations are so important. Oftentimes, if a guy started with more activations and then he eliminates one or two of your your orders, he gets an even ever increasing advantage because not only did they eliminate the force they gained this other advantage of having you know more activation so ability to time that when they their important units move out right that's often a problem in a lot of games yes one of the things i really didn't like about the original kill team was the whole i go you go thing where if you got the first if you got first activation on the alpha strike Mm, it become really clear who gets the win in the game so yeah and so this is like a serious problem and and people often say like this is like one of the biggest problems with I go you go, you know, um, besides the 
not as engaging your opponent as much, but but it just is like that Alpha Strike when we played War Machine was so brutal. Mm-hmm. Uh, oftentimes, just winning the small thing of you know the the, the roll off to see who goes first is like it the was biggest. Set, yeah, set the tone. For it was set an avalanche in motion basically. It wasn't even snowballing. It was literally like an avalanche, and I go, yeah. you go. At least at least in like. We use this term all the time. At least in like, well, Don't it's not I say go you go. Spoke because that is a terrible. No, term no, no. That so, the one that's not I go you go. I'm losing it. Alternating activation. Yeah. Okay. That was what's coming to mind. It was too. It was too obvious. I feel like we need more <laughs> bespoke names for these things. Anyhow. You're killing me, man. All right, yeah. go for it. In in alternative activation games, at least like it can, your game will snowball, but you're not going to get the avalanche that I go you go can create. When, mm, when yeah, because strike. they can. Yeah, so killing one guy doesn't doesn't or getting first turn doesn't allow you to like snowball into killing half their guys and being in better positioning, right? And then often people try to balance that with like that you know that second turn kind of thing, right? Where this where scoring happens at the end of the second tur- at the end of the second player's turn mm-hmm. to try to help balance this out. Um, and that's what, like, what, for example, what Infinity does, and it works relatively decently. But there is still, like, because um, Infinity, and it's kind of weird because you have arrows, so it's not, they don't have a true I go you go kind of mechanic. But for sure, if you have the, if you're the active player, you definitely have. If it was just pure like attacking and stuff, you definitely have the advantage, right? Because yeah. the, the the being on the defensive means that before you can mount your offensive, you're already losing guys, right? And so uh, these are one of those, you know, you, you have to resolve those somehow. Um, yeah. The other thing I think that <clears throat> helps avoid snowballing is having resources off the table as well, like command tokens, tactics cards. Things that uh-huh. just replenish every turn. Mm-hmm. Where, like, at least if you're losing your army... I feel army, like those, those kind of things help... Uh, I don't know if that helps necessarily snowballing, because usually both of the, the, the players get those things, right? Mm-hmm. It's more about smoothing out the curve, right? Yeah. So you can't have, like... That's more, like, handling the... Like, these extra uh, abilities or extra things outside which can be deployed and used where your army is weak, helps smooth out the bad, uh, let's say the bad rules or the bad the, the bad things that are happening on the table. Because mm-hmm. oftentimes these cards can be applied, you know, at the time where it's needed to help smooth that, that bad luck on the table out, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, if you don't have a lot of these things, let's say a, an ability that, like an ability card or stratagem or something like that, that allows you to, increase the power of something on the table uh if if you know like you are hoping to have i don't know a unit control a portion of the the board and then they get weakened too much and you have no way to you have no way to come back from that right whereas these stratagems and these dice or re-rolling and stuff like that allows you to say okay i might have a smaller number of guys on this table because you know i was unlucky or whatever the, the opponent rolled well or something but i can through this other reserve of power uh, increase the power of that spot to cover the fact that, you know, my plan didn't work out in that situation, mm-hmm. right? So it's not necessarily, I, to me, it's more just about smoothing out that that 
smoothing out the curve as opposed to actually resolving like a snowballing thing, right? Because I, I guess you could say it kind of is, but like, I don't know. But you think those mechanics should be designed to stop like things from going too far? Like, we'll basically stop really crazy outcomes from occurring. That should be the ideal way those are designed. Um, I think that they're just useful for those things, right? There's a lot of different reasons why you want to use those those abilities, but I think it's a great a great reason and 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 one of the the benefits to it. I don't think we necessarily want to smooth them all out because some of the greatest moments of a game are when the a game skews way out of average. Mm -hmm. And let's say, for example, like your your last guy is sitting on the objective, and your opponent just has to shoot them off the 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 objective, and then you just roll super well, and and your your guy survive like she survives all of the hail of fire. That is like an amazing story building moment, right? And you still want those. And you don't want your opponent to be able to say, well, I played this card. This card says that person dies, right? It's like, <laughs> you still want to be able to have those things, right? So um, I, I think to an extent, yes, but. Yeah, I mean, you, you can use those like, those outside game abilities, just like tactics cards, command points and that. Mm -hmm. As a balance the table, they're obviously it's just part of the game. Yeah, yeah, off like off the table resources. Uh -huh. I think one of the few things I like that Necromunda did sometimes is Necromunda that the player two Necromunda 2017. Yes, Necromunda 2017 is that if you're playing an opponent, they call it Necromunda Second Edition or Necromunda Second uh, Seventeen. They call it Necromunda 2017. It's not it's... technically the second edition. It's like the third or fourth edition, I think. But yeah, like they call Warhammer 40k and other games like that, ninth edition and that, but they don't call. They haven't called Kill Team. Well, they called the Kill Team. No, they called the Kill Team 2020, I think, didn't they? Oh, okay. so it's, it's Necromunda probably 17 or 2017. Yeah, because okay. they didn't give it. They didn't give an edition number. Anyhow, sure. the so what they did, I think it was one of the few decent things they call did. Call it. It doesn't matter what we call it. Necromunda. Yeah, I'm letting my dislike of the way that we were playing it. We can we can that. do a whole pad podcast called Necromunda or Battlemunda. Anyways, <laughs> in the future it'll happen. Mm -hmm. But the one good thing it did do is that the players who are behind will often get like a choice of things where it, where it might be like they choose to be the attacker or defender, which might be more advantageous to them in the mission, or they get like extra tactics cards depending on how far behind they are in the rating of their army. So it just uh -huh. feels like you're not giving them like directly the points they're going for. It's not like, oh, you get straight up a better army. They don't just give you more guys. Your army might just suck. Yeah. But at least some of the other resources you've got or the decisions around how the game is played are on the like lower player side. So. Yeah. I guess it's one of those things. Like we, Initially, we talked about like in-game... Uh, catch-up mechanics and i think we've kind of stated that for the type of games we play you want to have a limited amount of that yeah because like, again the skill testing kind of game is is there right and uh, and um and the fact that you know you want these you want people to have those amazing like unlikely events to happen on the board so you don't necessarily want to see those things mm -hmm. um but when you just started talking about Necromunda, one of the big issues with um, having those skews in Necromunda is that Necromunda is a campaign game, which yeah, means that if you play one game, 
and it's bad, it's exactly the thing we're talking about. Like if you're if you're gonna play like a ten game campaign, right? It's the thing we talked about with a where a game either has to end quickly or mm-hmm. it has to balance things out, right? And we said it seems like we prefer for any individual game, it's better for the game to end quickly, like than to um, to then to balance things out. Yeah, I think that comes down but to how long the game is. But you can't do that in a campaign. Yeah, if you, I think staying on the topic of like the single game, I think if your game is short, like it's not a two-hour game, yeah, then maybe you just rack up. Yeah, then you just rack up. Or if the games are forty minutes, you're like. Okay, sure, the game's now over in 25 minutes because one person clearly snowballed and won. But if you've got a two-plus-hour game, like 40K Age of Sigmar, or just like Kings of War, you you don't want to have to play that whole thing out when you clearly know, like, 40 minutes in what's going to happen. So those yeah, games need that... And it's often that... really unsatisfying if one player just concedes mm-hmm. because there's obviously this fuzzy area where you're not... where where people disagree on whether it's sure or not, right? Yeah. And then, so if you're in that fuzzy area and and you're really enjoying the game, and the other person is really not having it and they want to concede, and you think it's a lot closer than let's say the other person, then that can be a big issue, right? So you want the game to help resolve those things. Yeah, I think wanna... one of the things that Infinity actually, I, I just want to do one more thing about the, the first game before we go on to campaigns and for example, like Amanda. Well, there's one other thing that... I want to mention about the single game too. Think, but anyways. Oh, yep. yeah, yeah. Okay, let me go first then. Mm-hmm. And then you can go for your next one and then we can call it. Okay, so uh, is in Infinity the reason why games often uh, end quickly, uh, can end quickly, is not, it's not just that you know you lose units because your opponent shot them off the board, is that the game has a great push-your-luck mechanic, right? And push-your-luck is, I think, in terms of single games, one of the best ways for games our type of games to allow you to come back, right? So I don't, it's, I don't need to mention my topic now because you've, you've already named it. Very good. Yes, exactly. So uh, in Infinity, you can uh, just because whenever you sh- like the, the the way that you play the game is when things are equal is you want to take as little risks as possible because whenever you shoot, the opponent technically has a chance to wound you, right? But if you want to be crazy, you can push your luck and and instead move more uh move out more uh riskily and shoot even multiple people at the same time have a much higher risk of failure but if you succeed you can have a much higher payout of success and if you fail your guys start disappearing from the board really quickly very quickly exactly Mm -hmm. which is why you don't do that if it's equal if you're winning right so this push your luck kind of mechanic allows you to push the game forward and balance out or come to a conclusion much more quickly. Um, so l- like I said, right, instead of sh- jump, uh, moving and shooting one guy, you can move out to see two guys and shoot both of them. And you're much less likely to, to hit both of them at, or hit either of them and have them die. Uh, and you're much more likely of dying. But if you succeed and you kill both of them, that might bring you into the game again, right? And so that is one of the greatest honestly one of the greatest mechanics of uh infinity like a base of the base game that allows you to come back because you know we played war machine and there's definitely some push your luck Mm -hmm. because you can try and kill their warcaster you could always try and kill the Mm -hmm. warcaster and you could always do something crazy about pushing a warcaster out into a dangerous thing but it was often because of the i go you go mechanic uh pushing out your warcaster 
meant that your opponent could spend their entire turn trying to kill your Warcaster, and so you didn't get... You, you could push your luck, but it was like... When you tried to push your luck, it, instead of Infinity, where you can push your luck a little bit, so you can push your luck only like 10% or 50% more, or like 100% more, I always felt like with War Machine... You either don't push your luck or you push your luck like 100%, right? It's like, mm -hmm. okay, I'm going to do this and it's really unlikely and I, I now have like a 90% chance of losing, but on the 10% ch chance that it doesn't, then I, I come back in, right? And that, but that means that you have to be like so desperate, right? And sometimes you just, for it to make sense, sometimes it's War Machine, uh, you just miss the chance, right? Where you're like, where you're on one turn and you're like, okay, so I, I'd have a 30% or 40% chance of, of uh, or 30% chance of winning now, right? But I don't want to risk yet just moving my caster out there and like, you know, having it either go off or not. But then when your opponent comes back, like kills, you know, on their turn, they go and kill a bunch of your guys. And now you have so few guys that you've missed your opportunity to move your caster or your, your jacks out into a way to risk if their opponent can't respond that you're back in the game or you win right so that is a big issue and it's often a big issue with games where uh being like killing is too strong right because pushing your luck and it's often say moving your guys into a spot that is uh disadvantageous and gives your opponent the opportunity to kill them with the with the ability that if they're not able to remove those guys off the board, like they're, they're dangerous moves that your, your guys did, then you're in the game where you can win. But in a game like, for example, 9th edition 40k, your ability to push your luck is significantly, like the odds of it coming, like being successful is quite bad because of how much firepower any army can bring to bear. Yeah, and the number of dice you roll ends up causing more like normalized results because it averages out more the more dice you That's roll. It's, well. it's less likely to stray from the the mean, so there's less re it's just less likely to even do anything if you do something crazy and risky. Mm -hmm. The game itself doesn't yeah, reward true. that. Yeah, so basically Infinity is great for that. Frostgrave, you have some of that, um, but not. Because basically the guys don't die necessarily as quickly if you move out, right? Uh, so you, you again in Frostgrave, most of the the attacks come in like like you said, right? Like one dice roll, so then mm -hmm. more likely to ha have variance. And when you get attacked, your opponent also has a, you have a chance of killing the guy in close combat if even when you're getting attacked, right? So oftentimes yeah. you can push your luck with moving your guys out in that way. Yeah, and in Frostgrave, they haven't built the mechanics around just killing each other's army. Yes, if you kill the other person's army, it's better for you to achieve like the core mission. But often, just for playing the and just casting spells, Frostgrave gives you points at the very end of the game. So there's still an incentive to keep playing, even though your opponent might have the core mission locked down. It's not like you're achieving nothing by being there playing. So it's yeah. There's also the thing that both Infinity and Frostgrave, and honestly, it's quite popular now. Like, the the killing is a means to an end, and the actual objectives are often different, right? Mm -hmm. And that means that you can help push your luck on by doing the objective at the cost of your army getting worn down, right? So, for like, like in 9th edition, you can 
give up trying to kill your opponent to hold objectives, right? Or infinity, obviously, all these kind of missions, right? Trying to hold the hold the objective. Let's say in Frostgrave, you try to go for the treasures, and you're like, okay, I know that my band is going to get decimated, but I'm going to try and get off more treasures, right? Just go for the treasures, mm-hmm. and if I'm lucky, then they can't kill me and I can escape, right? Yep, if you're uh, lucky, you can crawl off with them. <laughs> exactly, and you can push your luck in that kind of way, right? So it's great to have the, those those kind of missions that are not just about killing, because if there's only one track, right, of success, uh, then... If your opponent is succeeding, it often means that it's made it that much harder for you then to come back and, and push your luck to succeed on the other way, right? So I think what we've talked about before is also in games, we like there to be hidden resources. And it's sort of nice in that your opponent doesn't, nec- let's say you're losing, your opponent doesn't necessarily know how hard they're winning. So they can't just be like, oh yeah, I've got this in the bag. Like if you've got troops that might not be on the board, maybe you have tactics cards and then... <clears throat> in reserve to turn the table on some move you're yeah. trying to pull off. Maybe you yeah. don't have it, but at least your opponent's not like, oh yeah, this is boring, I'm just going to walk through your army. They always have to be like, stay more engaged if there's something potentially that they're not seeing on the board state because there's just hidden mechanics going on in the background. Potentially. Yeah, that is something that I like about Necromunda. In, like, the, the ability to have those cards, mm-hmm. although... Okay, let's not talk about any any bad Amanda stuff. So yeah, I'll just leave it at that. The positive yeah. portion of having those tactics cards. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So did we want to talk about anything more about game, like one game kind of preventing snowballing and and catch up mechanics, or do you want to move on to campaigns? No, I think it's worth talking about campaign because oddly, campaign is what made me think of this whole topic altogether. Because yeah. it's, it's what you it's can have one really... bad off game, but. But if you have, like, one-off games, mm-hmm. you just are like, okay, we're done. That was bad. Let's just rack up and we can play another game. And, you know, tomorrow's another day. Just because I had a bad situation here, you know, it's resolved. It's done. It's come to a conclusion. The next game, we're back to even and we can go and play it. Yeah. Campaigns, however. You get, to, you get to feel the pain for weeks of how far behind you are. You don't just feel it for the hour. Yes. The last hour of the game. Oh, no, you, you get to feel it for weeks. Possibly it has to. Well, when you look at the campaign, right? A campaign is like each game that you play is a game. But if you think about the entirety of the campaign, that in and of itself is like one game, right? So you have the the battle campaign game, and then you have and each campaign game is made up of a bunch of battle campaigns. However, this sounds so like you're for playing example, Warhammer Total War. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So. If you have, if your campaign game is 10 battles long, and after the first battle, the first 10% of the campaign, you already know that you're going to lose, it's just like, like, think about that if if that was like Warhammer or something like that, where (laughs) after the first round, you already, like, it's not even the first first round. round, It's not even the first round. It's the first half of the first round. And you know that you're going to lose. It's basically like it's deployment. Just, it's it's like you deploy your armies, and you're like, oh, I guess I've lost the deployment. They, they shoot two guys, and then you're oh, done. Okay. You're like, yeah. This game is over, right? Uh, and then you have to play the other, the next five rounds. That is terrible, and that's mm-hmm. what happens oftentimes with campaigns that don't have strong enough catch-up mechanics or bouncing mechanics for a campaign, right? 
well, even just mechanics that stop the snowballing too. Because just thinking back, we talked about Frostgrave before, where in the first edition of Frostgrave... I also forgot to mention one more of the things in-game. Oh, okay. Well, is it, does it need to get mentioned, or should we keep going with campaign? I don't know. Yeah, we'll keep on going with campaign. All right, sure. So we've talked a bit about Frostgrave, the changes from first edition to second edition, and like where this, I think, ties in the snowballings. In the first edition, you could just keep, the more money you got, you could just keep buying more elite soldiers. And if you lost your crappy guys, because they just unfortunately happened to die when they went down, you have to buy them back. So in theory, if like you showed up with like a couple good soldiers in your starting army, you lost uh-huh. those, you lost a few of your other guys, and the opponent won, they got more treasure, they got more gold, they just rolled up more stuff. They now have an army full of elite soldiers, and like a full ten guys, and you're like, I couldn't afford to replace my like basic thugs and thieves. Mm-hmm. Like this is this is going really badly. In the second yeah. edition, the game designer realized and probably took feedback from people that, oh, okay, maybe at least your basic troops should be free, so that even if you fall behind really badly in one game, you can at least bring a full ten guys to the table. Yeah. And, and like you put, mentioned, it's very important to be able to do that because, mm-hmm. like, two guys, even if it's they're the crappiest thug or thief, are generally more useful than having one super good guy, even if that one super good guy is like a knight or a templar mm-hmm. or a barbarian. Like, technically, a templar is probably going to actually even beat the thug and thief, and thief mm-hmm. in combat, but, but because of the mission and the way the campaign plays... The thug and the thief are more useful. Yeah, you send your thug off to fight their knight. Okay, your thug loses, but the thief was off doing the mission and finished <laughs> yeah, the exactly. mission. Not the treasure so ran like, off already. It's okay. Like, yeah. okay, sure. So because of how the game is built, like if you yeah. if you fall behind on guys, you're in serious trouble. So the game acknowledged yeah. that in the second edition. The other thing is it limited the number of elite guys that you can have in your army from like maximum your whole army could be them down to four. Yeah. So that stopped the snowball effect. Also, just from the first edition, the power level difference between a basic guy and an elite guy, it wasn't like they weren't twice as powerful. Like mm-hmm. they're probably fifty percent better, but they weren't twice as good. Well, it depends on the guy. Like 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 we said, a Templar is probably gonna be both a thief and a thug. Even two thugs, a Templar is probably gonna win that fight. Mm-hmm. Even yeah. if they're both like yeah, Double you have two of them attack them. But because you can't get, because you, you're limited to an equal number of guys, you don't get to. Exactly. You don't yeah. get to do that. So they're actually more powerful, actually, then. It, it depends on how, right? Mm-hmm. In some ways, the two guys are more powerful. In some ways, the one guy is is stronger at fighting, let's say, right? So. Yep. But, but there is a cap that they're not, like, so mm-hmm. many times more yeah. powerful that mm-hmm. you're going to get, like, armies that are way or different players armies in the campaign that are way in different leagues than each other yep and i think i think that is quite just narrowing that ability to pull ahead so much even if you win campaigns right mm-hmm. so like we said before in like a single game you might want to make sure that you know like one good rolls or something like that like like we talked about the smoothing out the game right it's kind of like the smoothing out of the game, where uh, if you have just a couple of bad rolls, right, you have those those out of it a game resources to help balance things out. Mm-hmm. So in this one, like you have those free kind of guys to help smooth out some bad luck, 
right? You lost a couple of your important guys. At least you can replace them with thugs and thieves, and you're obviously weaker, and that helps gives you the story of the fact that you just got your ass kicked, right? Because yeah. that's still an important part about the campaign. And I think a lot of people, when you play campaigns, it's not about who wins, but it's about the story that you're playing. But you still want to be able to complete your objectives, right? So you can't mm-hmm. fall too far behind. Like it's, but it's actually fun to be able to fall a little bit behind, right? And then see if your your guys can pull themselves up by their, you know, pulls themselves out of the mud and come back, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I thought that was quite good, though, a lot of these changes that helped smooth things out. Um, the other things that smooth things out is that uh, if your opponent is much higher level than you, which means you're starting to fall uh, uh, fall behind because of experience. Uh, you can pull ahead. Uh, well, you can get a. You actually do get a bonus of getting an extra random monster who shows up to help you fight. Right. And I, I guess the idea is that, like, it's technically in the game. You are controlling it, and it's, so it's helpful to you. I guess the story view is that your opponent just gets unlucky and there's always monsters attacking them Mm -hmm. (laughs) because i don't know maybe they're attracted by the wizard's power or something like that um so that is a you know another way like that's just a straight up catch-up mechanic right if your wizards are like too different in level then for that game the lower wizard gets an extra you know random guy who shows up to Mm -hmm. attack the stronger guy right um, and, and, you know, there's there's something to be said about, you know, maybe that is not as clean, like you were saying before, but it does help balance things out. Yeah, it's, it's not as direct and obvious as, oh, you gain extra levels, even though you were losing. Like, the game's based around gaining levels or gaining items. It's like, well, no, we're not going to give you the core campaign things you're trying to acquire, but we'll give you, like, some out of other yeah. resource that's not part of the ones you're trying to acquire as part of the campaign. And- and there's, there's a couple of other things to help balance out just the, the skewing uh, around the XP. Because the more XP you get, the, the better your wizard gets. Mm-hmm. So they ha- they made a couple of ben- uh, changes. That actually happened on, on Frostgrave 1.5. I think it came out of Mesa Malcor. But uh, it continues on to second edition. Is that um, you can now only get three levels max per game. So even if you did super well and you just blew out your opponent... You're only ever going to get three levels higher than your opponent, as opposed to, you know, and technically they're probably going to get one level, so they're probably only, let's say, two levels. And really the extra power you get is on the how much treasure you have, right, mm-hmm. to help benefit your, your guy. Um, there was also a thing that he removed in terms of XP is that, um, which is an, one of the main problems or one of the huge problems that you have often in campaigns is often in campaigns you get some sort of benefit for killing your opponent's units. Mm-hmm. And what this means is that you get double benefit. So usually when you kill your opponent's units in a game, you end up winning that game, which means you usually, or you, it helps you win the game, so you have a better chance of getting the rewards for winning the game, right? But if you, by killing your opponent's units, you often get a second so not only do you have an improvement of ability to win that specific game, your units also get stronger and get better. So you get like a double advantage. So if your opponent didn't do well and wasn't able to kill your units, but you were able to 
kill their units, win the objective, and then get extra XP for killing their units, that can often skew things crazily and, and help pull away these these two things. And basically in Frostgrave, how Joe, Joe McCullough, the, the game designer, balanced it out is he just said, you know what? You do not get experience for killing the opponent's warband. And it really helped. It really helped change the way the game plays, how people play. People focused now a lot more on getting treasures and don't just wa- try to headhunt your opponent's wizard. Yeah. And it helps make the game focused in the right direction and helps limit the pulling away. Well, and before, the wizards would get experience from killing people, right? Yeah. So you would end up building your wizard in a particular way and use particular spells that were good at killing to gain more XP. And it yeah. would leave like certain spells unused because yeah. in the campaign you're going for kills. That's the campaign yeah. was designed, so the game just wouldn't. It's so play... much more experience that way. Yeah. Yeah. The game wasn't as interesting because you wouldn't do as many creative things with different spells because it wasn't yeah. bringing you towards. It's not the as rewarding because mm-hmm. it it might have been cooler, but it's let you get let the game gives you less rewards for it, right? And this is actually one of the issues that I feel is bad about the new Necromunda as well. Oh, I don't. I don't even want to talk about Necromunda in this podcast. We'll just have a bad Amunda podcast because we could literally say all those things and be like, "Yeah, it did them the opposite way." That's, I think that's yeah, summarizing. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's summar- yeah that's, that's the summary I want to give. I don't want to get into it. We'll do a whole podcast yeah. on it. Sure. Yeah. So just limit. I think limiting the the ability to get so much more experience by achieving like the objective where you get rewarded both ways, right? Mm-hmm. The you want obviously you want the objectives to, to reward them because otherwise why the what's the point of actually doing the objective if it's not getting you benefits in the campaign that needs to be your big bonus of whoever wins that that game right mm-hmm. but you do need a consolation prize for the opponent and the consolation prize should help balance out the prizes it should not just give more prizes to the person that won right mm-hmm. your consolation prize so at, at, and there's an issues with that Amanda right where <laughs> both both in the in the balancing thing about you know like getting extra benefits because you're behind and then also getting way more benefits if you're ahead mm-hmm. so you don't there there's that kind of thing right um this is one thing though that you know i haven't played the original necromunda but i have been looking at the uh, rules for it and i thought that it was quite interesting uh uh, and very thematic, the way they handled uh, skewing. So we, we said in Frostgrave, you know, you get an extra unit. Uh, you, if, if there's a big enough difference between the two uh, warbands, your, your, the weaker warbands might get an extra monster that comes out to help mm-hmm. that warband, right? Uh, in the original Necromunda, you don't, you do get, I don't think, I don't know how many benefits you get directly, but instead, uh, your, your warband gets... Uh, more experience for being the underdog. So, like, they get extra experience just for surviving a battle with op- mm. against another warband with overwhelming odds. Yeah, that, so, that's like, kind of because when you play better people, yes, exactly. like, in sports or whatever, you can actually learn yeah. something from them. It's a bigger challenge. Yeah. So, it's, yeah. Exactly. So, Thieme. like, it very, feels very thematic, right? And then, so if your, your weaker warband is, like, is just learning so much more trying to overcome the adversity against the students, mm-hmm. overwhelming odds of the other guy. So you, you end up getting like 12, I think you just get progressively more bonuses depending on how big the difference is. And then the other big bonus that they did, I thought that was really cool is that if the, the underdog warband wins a game, which mm-hmm. is unlikely, but if they somehow luck out and win the game, 
So not just survive. So just surviving gives them extra XP. But if they actually win, they get a big bonus for overcoming the odds, right? Mm-hmm. And beating the bigger warband. I think I don't know if it's an extra. I think it, it's money or or extra join them. XP, even more extra XP. Yeah, exactly. Because everyone's like, wow, you know, there's a great underdog story. You're awesome, kind of thing, right? So I think those are like really good thematic ways that campaigns can kind of help balance things out. It doesn't have to just feel like, oh, I'm just giving handouts because you know you're. You're sucking, so I just need to help give you a little bit of benefits to make things balanced, right? That kind of thing helps also push. I really like that idea of, like, if you win overcoming the odds, you get an extra bigger reward because it really incentivizes the weaker player to to really go for it and really try to win, right? Mm -hmm. Didn't they have that in some of the versions of 40K where you could just play, like, a way lower points army, but your objective was just easier? I think they did. There's definitely a game that I played that that did that. You have like it might be 40k, yeah, mm-hmm. where you have oh no, no the current. even in eighth edition, no eighth edition. Yeah, that's the edition I was thinking of, not ninth. Eighth edition, you had power. If readings. you're if you show up with a much weaker army, you can actually mm-hmm. play a game, and it's it, it becomes one of those uh, asymmetric games, asymmetric warfare games, where like your opponent, like the, the guy with more forces, has to basically wipe you. But you just, let's say, for example, you just need to win by killing their their leader or something like that, right? The idea mm-hmm. is that, you know, you you know, you basically end up being guerrilla fighters or something like that, which is like a great way to play. And I think oftentimes when we, you know, in historical games, because they're playing off historical battles and historical battles are very seldom equally matched, mm-hmm. because why would why would people want to engage in equally matched battles, right? Mm-hmm. So usually it happens when the attacker has some sort of advantage over the defender, right? Uh, and in that way, it doesn't necessarily make sense to make things fully balanced, right? When you play out. So oftentimes they will play in a way that you are just trying to do better, let's say, than the historical battle, right? If you are... Are, are you going to survive a little bit longer or escape with a few more people or take down a much larger portion of the enemy force than actually happened in history? So, or hold out for a longer kind of thing. So there any more campaign games? I th- well, the last thing I want to mention about the old Necromunda and new Necromunda is I think when we looked at it, the original Necromunda had lower power difference between the different types of units, like your champions and your initiates, yeah. like your low-ranking guys, weren't as different. No, we're, so, so we're not talking about Batamunda. Okay, we'll, we'll stop. <laughs> okay. Is there another game you want to mention for campaigns? Because I know you've played more campaigns uh, than I have. For balancing out, like, snowballing effects, like, I could talk a lot about my thoughts about campaigns, but for balancing out snowball effects, I think, I think we hit some, you know, like, a lot of the interesting kind of ways that, that things are balanced out, right? And with, as long with the general overview. Um, I, prob- I could probably think about more, like, it, 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 if it came up. Um, but I really like the... If you're playing a campaign, if, if your campaigns have different missions for if there is a difference in power level. Mm-hmm. I, I don't really see it that often, right? Because you're probably just, you know, you're writing missions for things that might never happen, right? Right? If they... if players stay relatively steady throughout the game, then you're never going to use these unbalanced ones. But it can be quite cool to, like, uh, possibly even just have, like, like like we talked about it with 8th edition, 
against the odds kind of things where you change the mission or you have different objectives or, or just having different missions for if you're a lot weaker than the opponent is a really, really cool way to help balance out these things in a longer campaign, as opposed to just saying, oh, well, I just destroyed you and I had to, we, you know, we just have to restart the entire campaign, right? Actually, that's what happens in Frostgrave as well. If you lose your wizard in the first game or within the first 10 levels, you can't continue. You literally have to start a new warband. Mm-hmm. So... You're told you're too far behind. You're not allowed to be that behind. Yes, exactly. It's not good for your opponents. I I actually really like that because that's a signal. I think that's one of the problems with Necromunda. Necromunda. It's only because that's the last campaign we played, right? Mm -hmm. Like These are literally the two campaigns we're playing right now. Frostgrave and Necromunda. That's why we're talking about them um, so much. But just the signal of telling you when you should or should not restart the game or restart your warband or things like that is a really important signal for the game. Frostgrave literally comes out and tells you, this. If, if you're this far behind, don't even bother trying to continue. You need to restart. Whereas Necromunda does not. You can lose your leader, you can lose all your champions, and it doesn't say, oh, if you lose all three of your guys, if you have no champions, you lose the game. Well, it's like a macro like, level. Restart, right? It's like a macro level of what we talked about before for the in-game, that there's different mm-hmm. like win conditions. So you're told that if you get too far ahead in the middle of the game, yeah, there's criteria to stop the game. They're doing yeah. the same thing on a more macro level for campaigns. It's like, yeah, okay, exactly. someone's got too far ahead. Should you just stop the campaign or like reset the lower-level warbands or do something? Because it's clearly yeah. like the game's not viable anymore at the camp. Well, the campaign's not viable, not just that game. Yeah. And so I think that... Like Frostgrave did a really good job of help helping like helping new players or people who are not necessarily familiar with the power level like uh resolve those and i know that a lot of people who play necromunda just naturally know when you need to do that but the fact that it's not in the book is an issue because for new people who've just started they won't know that right mm-hmm. and so that you get a really bad experience and then you're like why am i even playing this and then you have issues in that way so yeah, and even for, like, in Frostgrave, they tell you how to create a new warband that's at a higher level. It's like, okay, you don't just have to create a starting warband. You could create a higher level warband for, if, say, people were joining the campaign late or if someone's warband was just, like, not crappy. Yeah. Is that in the actual books or is it the way we play? I don't know. No, it's, it's in the books for how to create a higher level oh, okay. warband. Cool. We just yeah, usually great. do it because we start, we start from yeah. the get-go. I guess it's the, it makes sense, right? Because if you're in the middle of a campaign and then a new person joins, you need some sort of mechanism to bring them in, right? Whereas mm-hmm. uh, to a reasonable level, or I don't know what's in that for Necromunda. I didn't read any, but those books are so hard to read, so. Yeah, I think if you're playing a campaign with friends or like a bigger group and not everybody can make it every week, I think it helps to make it explicit like how maybe like the person organizing it will roll you up more stuff mm-hmm. if you've missed a week, which reminds us for what we should that's actually a do very ours. cool idea that like if you don't you, do it for yourself that whoever's running it does it for you so it feels less like well it's 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 kind of cool to roll it up yourself right to, to get in there you get to see your treasures um but that is one of those things that you know we've run a bunch of campaigns and we've been running frostgrave for for a few years um you don't have to just follow the campaign or the the issues of the campaign or the issues of snowballing right this is the, one of the greatest things about miniatures games, right? Is that you can house rule anything. And mm-hmm. so if you feel like your campaign is getting messed up, 
you can house rule it. And actually, we did a bunch of house rules on Necromunda to help balance out those issues, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you can do the same thing with you – know, we did the same thing with Frostgrave, not not exactly to you know do snowballing, but we basically have a main rule in Frostgrave that if you wanted to show up and you haven't played any of the campaign – you just roll up to the certain level, right? And we just say, roll up, get up to, like, you know, we play five games. So if you haven't played any games, roll up a, let's say, eighth level or, or ninth level wizard and get X number of treasures, roll four times on the treasure table and then come to the game, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and we, that's just a house rule, right? That's I don't know if that's directly said in the actual rules to say that, you know, to help catch someone up, right? And the same way with Necromunda, you know, there's we just tweaked the bonuses you get if you're behind uh, to be able to come back, right? So you don't just get extra guys, but you kind of get extra benefits. You have, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just not the core stuff. Yeah, yeah, totally. If you have these issues, totally go in and try to fix those things. And it can turn, like, a terrible campaign into a reasonable or at least survive a one that you're, you're not dreading every single time you play it. Mm-hmm. All right. So, do you want to wrap up then? I thought you said there was one more thing you wanted to mention about in-game avoidance of snowballing. Yeah, that's fine. Oh, okay. It's not. It's not one of the major ones. <laughs> you don't have to it. mention everything. If okay. you really care about it, um, you can uh, email us, and we will talk about it another time. If you want to know about this other thing that I think is actually one of the best ways to deal with, um snowballing preventing snowballing and preventing this kind of stuff in a in a um in a game then uh why don't you uh, email us mm-hmm. at uh, contact at com. uh dude we want to say anything more about the campaign or you just want to wrap it up no i think we've talked enough about campaigns i'm not as big into campaigns as you are so all right all right then anything else about catch-up mechanics besides the one the one thing that will solve any snowballing in your in your game that that you wouldn't believe. No models can die. That yeah. I refuse to mention right now. Everyone's immortal. No. All right. So yeah. So those are our thoughts about catch-up game mechanics. Hopefully that has has given you a little bit of food for thought and has maybe given you some ideas to uh, house rule. Uh, issues in the games that you are playing so that you don't have to deal with this if this is happening in your campaign um and you know like if you've played campaigns before and that has been one of those things you've dreaded try out frostgrave and you know that that to me is like a a really great campaign system and there's a little bit there's a lot of guardrails to help prevent uh snowballing and stuff like that yeah i guess if you play sci-fi you could play stargrave yeah yeah oh don't play the infinity campaign it's terrible there's a it campaign loves, system for Infinity. I think it's only an N3. That was terrible. It, it likes itself some snowballing, yeah. Yes, exactly. It had the exact same issues with like snowballing and becoming too good. Also, it was not really balanced. Like One track was way too good. I think it was the Mercenaries okay. branch. Yeah, it was just literally free points. In a game where it was so many free points. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so if you want to... Uh, talk to us or give your thoughts about these kind of things or you want to know like like i said that one secret kind of thing it's not actually that secret but i'm just not going to talk about it uh to make it sound more mysterious uh yeah like i said contact us at dice over or contact us at contact at dice over everything.com yep or find us on facebook or dice over everything all right 
This has been Alan. It's been Brandon. Bye.